Today's episode of the Film Stage Show is brought to you by Mubi, the online streaming cinema. For a free 30-day trial, go to mubi.com slash filmstage. Cellophane, Mr. Cellophane, should I bend my name, Mr. Cellophane, cause you can look right through me, walk right by me, and never know. We're back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of the Film Stage Show, the movie review podcast for thefilmstage.com. As always, I am your host, Brian J. Rowan. With me today, we have Michael Snydell. Hello. Was this the obvious or the unobvious This is the unobvious one. I'll play the obvious one at the end, and you're going to be like, oh, right, that's so goddamn obvious. (laughs) Okay. We also have Bill Graham. Woo! Or should I say woo? not a ghost he's an invisible man um sort of like a ghost a little ghostly kind of a ghost ghost moments yeah yeah he he gets some white on him i mean he is white so sure also that Mm -hmm. yeah yeah oh Oh, man good times uh (laughs) another voice is our guest for this episode it's roxana hadati yes hello hi guys uh fellow wafka member Correct, yeah. Fellow UMD oh, nice. Terp. Is it really yep. called Wafka? I don't know. I've never heard <laughs> yeah, it Yeah, it's really aloud. called Wafka. <laughs> Washington Area it, it, Film Critics yeah. Association. I'm like sure that. that's said out loud a lot. It is actually said out loud a lot. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you can't really say ours without it, 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 it just be Sifka. <laughs> yeah. So it wouldn't, wouldn't work very well. Yeah. Suddenly you say that in public, people think you have the coronavirus. It's a whole thing. <laughs> God. <laughs> <laughs> one of my friends. Oh, good starts. <laughs> one of my friends was uh, at a. <laughs> at the airport just like earlier today and he was drinking some orange juice as you do uh waiting for his flight and he accidentally drank it down the the wrong air or wrong pipe and uh he started coughing and all of a sudden a bunch of people started looking around and (laughs) i was at costco today and a man just straight up coughed on the potatoes and i was (gasps) no even even in a thousand potatoes what a jerk and it was the little potatoes, which I was going to get, and I just had to walk by them. Um, uh, even in the non-coronavirus world, that's just bad form. Did you yeah. stare him down? Did you say something? Uh, Brian, like, I expect better of you. I got Brian, pliers. I can't. I wish, you should have coughed on him. I wish you had really sternly just been like, sir, potatoes. As, as an Irishman, right. I, I am offended, sir. Right. <laughs> That is fucked up, though. I mean, like anything else, but the potatoes, that is fucked up. Like broccoli, go do it to broccoli. Like, get out of here. Because a lot of this this stuff at Costco is like in a bag or in in a plastic thing, you know? But the potatoes, unsheltered. Um, So this is great. This is so far off topic. I'm sorry. Costco is very important to every conversation. (laughs) Costco is like the, the legitimate center of my life in many ways. Does, nice. uh, next time you go to Costco, can you check to see if they sell that coffee beverage, La Colombe, and can you like text me to let me know? Thank oh, you. La Colombe is so fucking good. Yeah, it's uh. real expensive at the store, and if I could get yes. like a Costco hookup, that would be. That would be I uh, I took a trip to to Chicago, and that was one of my like uh, deal breaker like places i had to go to the la Colombe, like store storefront have you been there michael 
No, I didn't know this was a thing. <laughs> oh yeah. What is it's the storefront? Like, is it like their actual like coffee? Yeah, it's, it's just like a coffee bar uh, oh. filled with La Colombe stuff, and like they have like a bunch of uh, taste uh, test market stuff, and then you know they have a, an actual bar, so they'll serve you fresh La Colombe. It is absolute heaven. Oh. Yeah. Okay, I made the mistake of googling, and now I'm at their storefront online. Yeah, there's a couple in DC apparently. Are there really? Oh, uh oh. <laughs> Sorry, Roxana. Fed. Well, I'm technically like in Baltimore, Columbia suburbs. So it's like, would I take a trip out to DC? And I might. So actually, you shouldn't have told me that. That's really bad. <laughs> that is my bad. Yeah, it's okay. But yeah, so coronavirus, Invisible Man, it's all connected somehow. Not sure how, <laughs> but somehow. Uh, yeah. You can't see the coronavirus either. That's no, true. did true. it totally brought us back Ooh. um yeah i can't even remember now if i said that we were talking about the invisible man by lee winnell today but here we are um before we get into that the usual stuff follow us on twitter at film stage show facebook the film stage show give us a comment rating podcastfilmstage.com for your long form thoughts and of course become a patron by going to patreon.com slash film stage show uh one dollar an episode gets you access to our slack channel where we were descending ever further into mayhem and anarchy. Uh, really. <laughs> ever, ever further? How much more is there to go? <laughs> well, Michael made a politics channel. Oh. And left it. <laughs> <laughs> so I leave this goodbye. <laughs> he just he just locked seven people in a room and left them alone with nothing but knives and gasoline. Um, yeah, that's bad. Yeah, it's not great. Um, no. But if you want to be a part of that, patreon.com slash film state show. Uh, we are also still giving away Blu-rays. Named a whole bunch of them last week. Uh, I will name more at the end of this episode. Uh, so yeah, uh, become a patron. Email us, podcastfilmstage.com, and you could win a Blu-ray. We are also brought to you by Movie, the online streaming cinema, where every day their curators bring you a brand new movie to enjoy. So, uh, you know, you can take a break from binge-watching Terriers now that FX programs are on Hulu and check out some fine independent and world cinema. They've got some great series going on. Uh, one of them is definitely well-timed. It's called Apocalypse Now. Uh, and the first program, the first program, my God, the first movie that they have is The Quiet Earth, uh, the movie take. We launch our series on post-apocalyptic movies with Jeff Murphy's pensive The Quiet Earth standing opposite the norms of the genre, the film takes a serene approach centering its conflict internal, racial, sexual, among the survivors rather than any external forces. Zach, a scientist working on a global energy project, wakes up to a nightmare. After his project malfunctions, Zach discovers that he may be the last man on Earth. As he searches cities for survivors, Zach's mental state begins to deteriorate, culminating in the film's iconic and hotly debated ending. So if you would like to check out that film as well as the other 29 that are presently on the movie platform, all you got to do is go to MUBI.com slash filmstage for a free 30-day trial. Again, that is MUBI.com slash filmstage. And that's that. The time has now come where we can talk about The Invisible Man, newest film from writer-director Lee Winnell. This movie stars Elizabeth Moss. As a woman who escapes from an abusive relationship, only to find herself possibly harried by the man that she left, who has in the interim supposedly 
committed suicide. Here is the trailer. As the attorney representing Adrian's trust, I'm required to read a prepared statement. Cecilia, although our relationship was far from perfect, I thought that you would talk to me rather than run away. Are you okay? What happened to him? He cut his wrists. Per his final wishes, you're getting five million dollars. Contingent, of course, on the fine print. He can't be ruled to be mentally incompetent. It just doesn't make any sense. What All right, that is the beginning of the trailer for The Invisible Man. This movie out in theaters now. Let's talk about it. We begin, as always, with our spoiler-free nutshell reviews, and we will go to our guest first, Roxana. What did you think of The Invisible Man? I, 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 you know, it's weird to say that you loved a movie that's like incredibly stressful and sort of depressing and very much about the plague of domestic abuse in our paranoid, super surveilled time. But I loved this movie. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think it was very well done. I sort of appreciated that it jettisoned everything else about the Invisible Man story um, from the original H.G. Wells to, you know, the 1930s adaptation. It sort of leaves all that behind for something that feels very present. And this isn't, you know, totally outside of the realm for Winnell because Upgrade also sort of talked about this fusion of organic and mechanical and what we're doing right now to our bodies and to our society in this time where everybody is watching everybody else. So I thought that aesthetic work very well um to update this story and elizabeth moss is just great like i you know i i don't know i don't know when she will fully get her due in cinema because i feel like in the past couple years she's had some really great turns in this and her smell and us and her work here is so finely calibrated that i think you know you really are alongside her in this journey of sort of fear and discovery. And I don't know, I just, I really, I really enjoyed it as much as you can enjoy something that is so scary because it is so familiar and recognizable. And I think that's the thing. That's what I appreciated. You don't get flashbacks for what their abusive relationship was like. You don't get like a, Oh, look at how terrible this was to a certain degree. You don't need any of that sort of everything is explained just in that really banger of an opening scene in that escape. You're able to fill in and imagine what she's escaping from. And so I felt like there was a lot of restraint, throughout that I appreciated. All right. Michael Snydell. Yeah, I, I, I really like this one. I, I, I will say the, I will say this is, this isn't such an interesting thing. Cause I think, uh, as Roxana started to say, I, this is really a, a great reinvention of this story. Like when you, not only in terms of, you know, focusing specifically on, uh, a victim, you know, someone who is uh, haunted or you know stalked by um, a an, an invisible man in this case, and you know it, it's it's less about him than obviously what, what it's like being the victim, and uh, that is that's a really uh, novel idea, and then you know I think it puts it in place, you know, with things like um, you know a, a recently unsane, uh, Gone Girl. Um, and even like uh, something wild, the uh, '60s film from Jack Kerfane. Like I, I really think this is really interesting. How 
kind of uh, classically, this is about, you know, gaslighting more than like supernatural horror. I, I think Winnell does a great job with um, with choosing to just do a lot of, uh, especially in the first hour, it's, it's a lot of slow pans. It's a lot of empty corners and, and negative space and you're, you know, scanning the frame just uh, frantically trying to figure out if something seems off at any moment. And uh, I think that stuff is really powerful. I will get more into it in spoilers. I have some, I have some, uh, some conflicted feelings about the way some of uh, the upgrade camera techniques come into the third act mm. And there are some there's some jumps uh, like I I could see I am not a person who cares about logical <laughs> plot holes, but I could see some people feeling a little bit weird about some of that third act stuff. But personally, I found it uh, extremely thematically satisfying, especially that end, uh, which we'll talk about further. So I, I'll I'll uh uh, sorry, hold most of my thoughts about that stuff. But yeah, I really like this. And what I'll say about Elizabeth Moss is she's like so consistently <laughs> great in everything I see her in that it's almost like I'm I'm uh, I'm like not giving her her due because I just expect her to be fantastic and everything. Uh, I will say the people who I wasn't familiar in this, I, I was really impressed with Aldous Hodge and Storm Reed in this mm. who uh i hadn't really seen before uh storm reed i i really liked in euphoria recently but um i thought both of those were really convincing in how they react to cecilia and uh help kind of build that world so yeah i i like this one with a few small misgivings all right bill graham yeah, I really enjoyed this. Wow, this is uh, going to be a pretty... Uh, yeah, I, I already heard uh, Brian's kind of initial opinion. So, um, no, I think I think this is really good. I think it's smart. It's clever. Uh, he's been on a tear recently. Upgrade was really, really good. That movie is a lot of fun. Um, and it plays with like a small budget and really it goes for it as high concept. This one does the opposite in a lot of ways where it doesn't utilize its budget maybe as much as you would probably think uh, for something that might have um, a, a decent budget behind it. Now it is a Blumhouse uh, production. So, you know, uh, who knows uh, what those final numbers kind of are. I'm sure they're probably floating around on the internet, but um he relies more on like practical effects and you can really tell there's not a lot of utilization of like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to stick with that for now. Um, I, I was listening to an interview and so he kind of goes into detail a little bit more. Um, but I will say that he uses a lot of, uh, tricks of the camera and plays with kind of the audience expectations. So if he focuses on a hallway that has nothing in it, you're as an audience member, just knowing that, okay, if an actor isn't in that frame, then obviously the camera is telling me to look in this area and kind of, you know, start to look and see if anything's moving or if there's noise or whatever it may be. Right. Um, 
And so in this way, in kind of classic horror uh, filmmaking, he's giving us uh, letting our imagination run wild. And I think that's the most clever thing that he can do in this film. Um, he doesn't over, overutilize kind of uh, the idea of being invisible um, for, you know, there, there, for instance, there aren't like pots and pans being like thrown around willy nilly. Um, so, yeah, he's he's clever about it. He's restrained about it, and he's also having a lot of fun. Um, it definitely goes batshit crazy at certain points, and uh, it's a lot of fun to see that. And Elizabeth Moss is absolutely a standout, and you know she is kind of a one man show in this in this film, and she handles it with with aplomb. So uh, she's fantastic. The movies short and sweet i think it's it's what like 90 minutes or something like that i can't remember how long it is it's It's like two hours hours. yeah it's about two hours okay it felt like it was 90 minutes so um, that's a compliment compliment for sure from bill over here (laughs) yeah it it flew so hours and four minutes two hours and four minutes okay what what an asshole but uh yeah no (laughs) it, it it flew uh it's it's good 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 stuff um yeah i hated this movie yeah, I'm joking. Jesus, it's gonna be okay. Yeah. No, I I also like this movie. Um, I just wanted there to seem like there was gonna be like half a second worth of conflict on this episode. There was for me. I thought Bill was saying that, and I'm like, oh shit, this is gonna be one of those episodes. No, I I I quite enjoyed this movie. Um, I don't. When I first saw the trailer, and I feel like the internet in general had a moment with this trailer where they were like, they did what with the Invisible Man? Like, why is this yeah. happening? Sure. And then I think once you actually take time to think about it, you, you realize the thematic richness of this. I almost feel like I don't know how much I don't, it's it's public domain now. Right. So they didn't have to pay like the Wells estate, like forty seven dollars for the title, <laughs> I feel. But um, it's just kind of funny because you without you could call this literally anything else um, and it would still work just as well. It's weird, though, because they still keep the name Griffin, which I believe is uh, from the original. Yeah, oh, they really? still keep they still keep Adrian's name. Yeah, yeah. so that's weird. Um, we'll get into uh, you know it. It clearly diverges from clearly, the source yes. material. Um, <laughs> clearly was not meant to be a pun, uh, but here we are, and uh, we'll get into it more in spoilers. How it does that? There's a part of me that, like, my only complaints about this movie are are things that like only occurred to me afterwards and are really kind of dumb and nitpicky and are just things about how my brain is attracted to ideas and, and stuff. So really uh, they, they're basically non-existent. Um, even the controversial third act, which some people have been like, Oh, the movie is such a thematically rich patient thing. And then it goes crazy. I'm like, yeah, isn't that sweet? Like, don't we love that? Isn't that awesome? Everything that what, happens is just so is, cool. <laughs> what is this controversy? I have not heard of this controversy. I've seen people on Twitter. I think um, there were a couple of, of uh, reviews where just people were like, mm, I don't know, that third act. It really seems like they just kind of like lost ideas and just were like, well, we have to wrap this up with the usual sound yeah. and fury. Um, <laughs> My God, how dare a woman fight back against her attacker? <laughs> Like, I mean, what? Yeah, I, I, again, as a person who loved the way that this movie end did uh, all like three times that it ended, I um, am totally on board. Even the fact that I've seen people say like was like the last 
quarter act even really necessary i'm like yeah, yeah. i don't know yeah yeah like i don't know if it is but i still liked it like it was still executed well which you know if you take me from rolling my eyes and going my god this is still happening to okay what that was worth it then i feel like you're you're in a good place i will just uh double down quadruple down on everything that's already been said elizabeth moss is great in this um all the other actors are equally just fantastic. Um, Storm Reed is especially good. There is a scene that involves, I guess like there's two or three scenes that involve her playing like four emotions at once and she nails them all. Yeah. Um, the, 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 the creepy white men are all very creepy and very white. Uh, they <laughs> true. They check all the boxes. Well, <laughs> yes. check, check, check. <laughs> And uh, yeah, I just I, I think that the effects are good. I think that there's a part of me that sometimes wishes that a little more was happening on the margins. Um, mm-hmm. We get a lot of static shots where you can kind of intuit that there must be an invisible man somewhere. I just kind of wish there was maybe some more Easter eggy things to be seen or heard. Uh, the sound design is really great in this movie. The score is pretty awesome. It's like a it's like a B minus Johan Johansson. Mm-hmm. which is still pretty damn good it, it, r- r- right at the end it it gets real fucking intense for some reason like <laughs> as soon as the credits rolled i was like what the fuck is going on here <laughs> um but the, i think i think there's some easter eggy things in the sound design brian and uh we'll we'll talk more about that clearly this will be a movie that i i watch you know randomly when it's on hbo possibly buy if it's like a five dollar blu-ray it's it's a good fun time at the movies and uh mm-hmm. i quite enjoyed it um again i have some spoilery not so much issues is just like wouldn't it have been nices <laughs> <laughs> yeah really they're not they're not a list of grievances but i do have some thoughts i just i i almost want to just say one of them because it's so dumb and i almost hate myself for feeling it and thinking it but i'm not going to get into it yet because i guess it sort of counts as a spoiler um at least it was a spoiler when i was watching i was like oh that's what's up um but i'm not gonna i don't really need to get into that uh i think this is a great movie elizabeth moss is great it's satisfying in a way that you want a movie like this to be satisfying I, I would say too that it's um, I, I, I think it, it we've spoken about it a little bit, but it works within the lines of what you uh, expect with some of these conventions. But I, I was really impressed that you know when you think they're gonna do a red herring or you know like you think, oh, this is when they're gonna pull the rug out. They do a couple subversions that I, I wasn't expecting and and that were that were nice. So it, it has that like, you know, uh, you hear a noise in a dark room, but also it's it's not quite as as obvious as you expect, even from like moment to moment. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like we need to get into spoilers. Sure, territory. sure. I, like, I feel like um, we. Are, yeah, is there, there's only so much you can say. <laughs> I want to. I wanted to ask: were, Was there any kind of like standout thing that we could say in a non-spoiler way? I know we've already talked about um, Aldous Hodge, Storm Reed. Um, and Elizabeth Moss. Was there anyone else who really like stood out to people? This is a tight movie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I mean, the guy who plays Tom is great. Um, Michael Dorman. He's from that Amazon show Patriot, which is a very different animal from this. He plays. It's a very bizarre thing to say. He plays like a secret eight. Does, do any of you guys watch that show? 
I have Is heard that, that I should. Billy Bob Thornton one? No, that's... No, that's Goliath. Goliath? Goliath. Yeah, TV, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, Patriot is about, like, an agent who sings it's very weird but just know that it's totally very different from like creepy white rich lawyer man so i (laughs) appreciate that this was very different and i do feel like the script like we've been talking a lot about the performances but i Mm -hmm. i do think that the script is really well done because again like i think there's so much that isn't said that they effectively fill in for you without really filling in for you. But I think some of the turns of phrase are really good. Like I I'm still thinking about when Elizabeth Moss is talking to Tom about Adrian, who was his brother. And she says like, you know, you're the jellyfish version of him. Mm. (laughs) Like that is a cut like that. (laughs) No, like that is, that really has impact. So I thought that I I also, I, I, I like that like she doesn't just let it linger. She's like, Oh, you didn't get that. Let me explain what I mean by that. And I'm it's like, not a, it's, it's not a David Mamet play where it's just like I'm gonna let people mull that one over on the way out of the theater. It's like, no, I'm gonna underline it because you're a piece right. of shit, Tom. Right. Like your whole family's shit. This is why you're shit. Yeah. So I, I do think that it works, you know, we've talked a lot about the performances and the ensemble's very strong and bleh, but there are, you know, a lot of other things that clicked together for me in a way that I didn't expect based on that trailer to be perfectly honest with you. That is, this movie is a lot more, uh, what's the words I'm looking for? Patient and intelligent and thoughtful than the first trailer would lead one to expect. And I think that's partially because the first trailer shockingly leaned a lot on the third act for some of its, Mm -hmm. you know, diegetic drum beat, quick cutting stuff. Um, I'm a little shocked, Michael, that you're, you're fine with this script because I, as I sat there in the theater, I said, Oh, Michael's going to think this is really neat. No, I, I don't think it's, uh, it, it, it's that neat. Uh, in part, I kind of like the, the, the kind of, uh, wait, why am I tiptoeing around this? Let's, let's actually get into spoilers. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> let's yeah. do My it. last spoiler free thought. I just want to say I, the entire movie, when I was looking at Dorman, I kept thinking that is a slightly less pasty Caleb Landry Jones. <laughs> oh, there's yeah. like there's like a twenty year age gap between those two actors. I know, but they have like a similar voice, and I think that I just like they both in 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 different movies have played like the slightly put upon like could be a serial killer or could just be like a victim of boundless abuse. Oh, I feel like mm. Michael Dorman. No, he looks like somebody else, but it's going to take me a second to remember who that person is. So whatever, is it go, the on, go on, go on. Lead from Godless. Because he also no. got me of him, but I don't remember his name. No, it's the guy who marries Saoirse Ronan in Mary Queen of Scots, who is actually oh. dating Saoirse Ronan in real life. Jack what? Loudon. Jack Loudon. Uh, yeah. That's who Wow, that's like. a poll. <laughs> yeah. I do not um, know who Jack Loudon is. This is the random crap that I bring. So. <laughs> that's yeah. fine. It's, you're, yeah. you're out, you're, the, the random crap is pretty much what 90% of this podcast usually is. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And all podcasts, yeah. if we're being honest. Yeah. If I yeah. want to mention one other person who is in a TV show, Adrian is also, speaking of a very different role, he plays a um, an addict on Haunting of Hill House. Who yes, is, he's uh, excellent just, that. Yeah. I am um, my uh I when I was going to see this movie, I was I was walking out of work with a, a friend of mine. She's like, "So what movie are you seeing?" And I was like, "The Invisible Man." She's like, "Oh, interesting." Like. 
who plays the Invisible Man? And I said, I don't know. It doesn't matter. I'm guessing he's going to be invisible for most of the movie. Whatever, man. She had her priorities because she probably thought to herself, is he going to be hot? And, you know, that's an important question. He is hot. He's the guy the who plays him is hot. Yeah, yeah he's hot. Yeah, bland white guy. Kind of, yeah, I was going to say like a Scott yeah. Speedman kind of. <laughs> oh, word, I don't know? think he's bland at all. You got this is we need another woman on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> this is incorrect. Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right, here's a real question. Santa, you. you're not invited again. <laughs> who's, <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> who's who's hotter? Is it is it Adrian Griffin or is it James? James is the is the policeman. Yes, James, James mm, for sure. Yeah, I mean for sure, James. It's definitely Aldous Hodge. Okay, yeah, I got correct. Yeah, you can. Yeah, say I them. mean the first time that he came out in his like tight police uniform at the screen, <laughs> really just like the line of women in my row all gasped in unison. <laughs> like, yeah, I was gonna say I as a man it. who has recently painted so many walls. When I saw him pulling out that paintbrush and like on that rickety ladder, I was like, mm, that man could take care of my house with me. Yeah, that's what I want. Can you do some chores? Thank you. He was wearing some very, very uh, show offy pants, I would say. Right, in that police not, uniform. That's not what a detective wears to work. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I was like, the Jesus. Most tightly tailored I've seen suits. your house. You're painting it yourself. What's going on here? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. I appreciated it. <laughs> so just to get oh, it no, out of the I'm, way. I don't think anyone is saying they didn't appreciate it. I'm just saying it, it seemed uh, he had a, a wardrobe upgrade. Sure. True. Oh, well, that's, upgrade, you know, he's painting you his own house. He's saving all that money so he can buy this fancy clothes. <laughs> there he is. It's like the person yeah. who lives in a shitty rental apartment but drives like a Z series or something. Anyway, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. spoilers. We're in spoilers now. This is the this is the crappy stupid thing that I shouldn't even say, but I feel like I have to because this oh, is the only time. Really, I have a this is what we're starting with. I just okay. am I the only one who's upset that he used like a cool high tech camera suit and that he didn't actually invent like a potion? No, a potion like in the original <laughs> potion. I really want it. I really <laughs> Harry Potter's that shit <laughs> again, like the original. Snape or would like be Hollow so Man. proud. I just. There was a part of me that I walked into this and I was like, isn't it so cool that I'm going to see a movie where a woman is harried by a person who created a potion that turns them invisible? And instead it was like a crazy Metal Gear Solid-esque camera suit. And I don't but know. So then felt would like you have down. wanted him to like, would you have wanted him not to be a tech bro? Or did you want him to be a tech bro who also dabbled in potions? <laughs> he could be like a biochemical bro, you know, like a biotech okay. bro. You know, yeah, maybe okay. you see him and he's got like some weird cuttlefish you know in a tank and she's like what's this all about and he's like don't touch not that. a cu- god damn it not a cuttlefish again i'm done with this jurassic park bullshit no i'm sorry that the no, cuttlefish no, no. has the best natural camouflage of any animal bill oh, i feel like what you're saying is that you just wanted him to be like a disciple of cthulhu and you wanted the movie to take like a real turn look if you could somehow reboot the dark universe but with an hp lovecraft like line underlining it that would be awesome that would be pretty great. I can't Just lie about that. Less crazy racist. <laughs> yeah. Less or you make racism. that the evil that's being fought, you know? Oh, also God. true. Yeah. Yeah, that's also true. 
I mean, there okay. was there was got... color out of space this year. What else <laughs> yes. do we see? Yes, we we saw that. Yeah, <laughs> we definitely talk about, about that. that. Yes. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. boy. So wait, Brian, what other what were your other nitpicky things? <laughs> I think that it was that. Like I said, there was a little bit of the. Um, like, I kind of wish that more stuff was, like, randomly happening on the outskirts. So, like, you know, maybe they have... Uh, this is a dumb example, and I'm sorry that I'm saying it. Maybe they have, like, a houseplant, and she walks by the houseplant, and it doesn't move, and then suddenly, like, five seconds later, it does move because he runs into it. Just, like, I wanted a little more of that. And maybe if the ending hadn't been so long with the action, you could have just done one or two more things that made her look crazy. But like mm-hmm. that's it's everything that happens is still so good that I'm like, I'm not going to try to make the movie change just to do that. But there was a part of me that was like, no, I loved that. I loved like the the fire in the kitchen the so much mm-hmm. and uh, her not I, having uh, her, her blueprints and then to like escalate to smacking Storm Reed across the face and then cutting a yes. woman's throat. I was like, whoa, yeah. this guy has no patience whatsoever. <laughs> um, I I actually thought that the sound design was really clever because when the first time, and we don't know we're looking at the suit, but the first time we see the suit, we hear this kind of mechanical kind of clicking noise. And I was struck by the fact that the sound design really hide, uh, like, uh, focused in on that and as she starts being terrorized we hear that kind of mechanical clicking of like the lenses mm. kind of moving and focusing and doing all of that kind of stuff um, we hear that again and again here and there when there's just kind of empty space and I was really struck by that because she is hearing that as well and I think she's hearing it and thinking what the fuck is that noise and why is it the only thing that I you know one of the last things I remember before I ran out of my husband's home was this thing, right? And, mm-hmm. or this noise that she heard looking at kind of his experiments. And, um, yeah, I, I thought that was really clever because we hear that again and again. And then finally, when the suit is actually revealed, we get like the full bore version of that. Um, and so, yeah, I, I found that very satisfying. Now, I wish we would have. I agree with Brian. I wish there would have been not a bumped plant, like like he's just a doofus and like ran into a Mr. plant, but more Ooh. of like. Well, the suit yeah. has another three inches of thickness, you know? I, I mean, <laughs> I, I can only imagine what the battery pack on that is because I know how long my <laughs> cell phone lasts when it's on like full brightness and like, you know, uh, all that. So I imagine it gets pretty damn hot in that suit too. So maybe he, uh, you know, but uh, logistics aside, uh, I wish there would have been maybe a little bit more fun with some of the special effects, but I thought the the one that really, really got me was uh, when she is sleeping in Storm Reed's room and the blanket is pulled off of them. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden she starts to pull the blanket back. She throws it over this chair. There's this kind of jump scare moment where you think something's going to be there and it's it's just a chair and then she like pulls the sheet back and all of a sudden like it it gets stuck on something and you kind of look and 
and it looks like it's stuck to the floor and then and then all of a sudden there's like a footstep a noticeable footstep impression on it and you're just like holy fuck and yeah i i really enjoyed that kind of level of tension and terror that this film really kind of specializes in um but doesn't do it either a enough to be like super satisfying but also doesn't overstay its welcome as well so there's there's a fine line where you know you always want to leave your audience wanting more instead of wanting less and i think he's he's doing that that is 100 percent true so. Yeah, I feel like you kind of have to tiptoe that line in, in terms of, uh, like, it, as you're both saying, like, you have to tiptoe that line in terms of, you know, it's not ambiguous, obviously, that there is an invisible man, as we joked about earlier, but you do want to, you know, you want to key into that paranoia. And and I think, as you guys both kind of say, the, the more that you do, you know, whether it's actually staged goofily or staged well, the more you risk losing that atmosphere. And yeah. and I think, and I think one now really cultivates a, a really interesting, like I, I love the, the, how overcast all the photography is like all of the, you know, skyline shots, like mm-hmm. everything, everything in San Francisco is just shown to be just this like impenetrable uh, monolith. And, and yeah, I kind of love the, how everything has that. This is the only movie I think I've seen that made San Francisco look <clears throat> ominous. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. been a while. Yeah. I mean, I think there are a lot of movies recently that have made it look unattainable. But I, think- oh, I, I was gonna, I was gonna say, uh, we could show housing prices, and maybe that would be <laughs> ominous. <laughs> right. I mean, uh, yes. Like that's literally talking about like what last black man in San Francisco, and like sure. sorry to bother mm-hmm. you and blind spotting, and like all these movies do. But yeah, I mean, there's very much like a monolith feel to San mm. Francisco that this movie pulls off. But I also think like from the very beginning of those opening credits with the waves crashing on the shore, like that mm. is a very ominous menacing way to start this movie and very menacing in like a natural world type of sense before transitioning into we're dealing with tech that people have made to spy on and hurt each other so like i did think that there was an interesting duality and yeah i I sort of don't I didn't necessarily think that there needed to be more stuff to prove that the invisible man was there because I feel like if we're going to talk about spoiler territory because sure. I feel like the very end I almost feel like you could still you could make an argument that it wasn't Adrian who was stalking her mm-hmm. and yeah. I think that that I think that not doing that much extra stuff sort of leaves open like a little kernel of doubt that maybe it actually wasn't him and maybe it was Tom the whole time. So I, I do really well, like that the movie leaves open that question at the very end. I just yeah. love how I, much I, venom you put behind the word Tom. You know, that, <laughs> right. And Tom's terrible. I mean, Tom is, they're both terrible. I just, I was very impressed with what they achieved with yeah. Tom's character because he is, you know, in some ways, it's very clear that he is the beta brother, but he is just as misogynistic and patriarchal as adrian is just in a way that is accepted by society yeah like, he's he's you know? the nice guy to, to adrian's frat guy right to make it right. as basic as possible 
he can sure. veil his misogyny in legal speak as if in, this in is wealth. his obligation. Right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> fundamentally. So, yeah. So I, I do think the movie also does that very well, which mm-hmm. is like they the opening in that house, like that house is terrifying. Like I can't oh, even yeah. imagine living in that <laughs> house. I had the same <laughs> thought when I was watching. I was like, who on earth would want to live here? <laughs> this place sucks. <laughs> Oh, you're talking about the the mansion? His mansion the, is just like pounds. I just yeah. feel like if I walked in and that was like a hotel, I would be like, we need to go find like a Motel Six or something because this place right. just sucks. Well, I mean, I, I I think I think one thing that's interesting about the sound design is that I I guess the bedroom is the only place where you can really hear those waves crashing because I noticed that in the end when he's inviting her to dinner and he closes that door all of a sudden like there's a lot of rushing wind outside and I I guess that area you know it's it's right off the coast so I imagine there's a lot of wind that you kind of get off the off the sea and everything like that or the ocean I don't I don't know what that where that is maybe the ocean ocean, okay um (laughs) anyways uh I I feel like there's a lot of sound design and as soon as he closes the door like all of a sudden it's just like oh so that's like a soundproof door basically like yeah, it's, i mean it's, i assume that you would you would have thick tempered glass to keep that kind of stuff out um, yeah but but they didn't have that in the bedroom which is i mean maybe this is a dude that was raised on like mama's like little sound machine that plays like the waves crashing and so that's that's his life now you know it's i don't know <laughs> Yeah, well, it's his white noise. I also feel like if you were thinking like super, you know, in terms of super paranoia, like the door that she comes into faces the street mm-hmm. and the windows face the back. So there's part of me that's like, if you're hiding sound from getting into your house, you're also hiding it from getting out. So like sure. if they were having an argument in the kitchen mm-hmm, or if something was mm-hmm. happening in that part of the house you're not Good gonna point. Be able yeah you're not going to be able to hear what's happening so like that's the stuff that I, I agree with you that's the stuff i appreciated about the sound design because it always you know it always made me think like what is happening here that we don't know about or that people didn't see and that's what i liked the most about that yeah. end and how she you know she uses her knowledge of that house and whatever traumas mm-hmm. she experienced in that yeah. house against adrian and i thought that was again very well done um in terms of like what is she bringing to the situation like they almost take her in a femme fatale direction with the all-black outfit and the heels and that sort of sense of like sophisticated unknowable motivation in that final scene yeah it's the great femme fatale move where it's just like you could go from tears to icy determination and Mm -hmm. a split second and she nails Mm -hmm. that shades mm-hmm. of what she does in us like in that very creepy mirror scene that the tethered yes. does yeah yeah i think mm-hmm. elizabeth moss has always been very good at a certain sort of precision and she definitely she definitely did that here but then you know there are also those scenes like there you know there was no scream in the theater like when he cuts her sister's throat like that was yeah like, that was, <laughs> that was some that wild was some shit wild metal shit so yeah so i also think that it goes in a gory direction that i didn't entirely expect either yeah there's, well, it, there's I, two it, throat it, cuttings it, in this movie and both are mm-hmm. equally as as determinedly grim and and yes. gushy which I, I mean, well, and, and 
when he beats the shit out of the cop as well, like that, that gets really intense really quick. Um, you know, it is legitimately funny because thought that the cop was dead. I did. Too. Yeah. Uh, Cause when the guy gets shot and all of a sudden the, the, the cop like slouches out against the wall, I was like, bro, what? <laughs> like you're dead. Like what, what's going on here? Like, I don't know, but, uh, yeah, <laughs> he, uh, he survives and I, I like his point that like if she keeps arguing the fact that no it was this guy all along that she's basically going to get put away into the insane asylum again you know um and like he doesn't really fight it at the end but i think she's definitely in a very very precarious position and you know i i don't always want to say like because this film does leave it in that ambiguous way not necessarily like it, it is ambiguous but more of it could be argued right that, um, that well does anyone yes. I'm, i was gonna ask does anyone actually believe that the narrative given by the police is the correct narrative that it was the brother yeah I don't. I don't because I think I think that line, that surprise line, is very, very critical in giving a wink and a nod to the audience that's basically saying, like, you know, I know exactly what I'm doing here. Mm-hmm. And I know right. that more than likely I'm on video. Um, more than likely you're probably wearing a wire or doing doing something shady along those lines. Um now I I <sighs> I don't know. I mean, there's some logistical hoops that you have to kind of jump through to kind of figure out like, okay, like if, if he knows that his brother died, how does he put himself inside this chamber? Then like guarantee that somebody's going to rescue him within a certain time frame and all of this other stuff. And then also make it look like he was, you know, malnourished and, and dehydrated. Like otherwise, like he just, like they just rescue him and he looks super fucking normal and it's like um i don't i don't know but i mean maybe you can put on like i don't know one of those old-fashioned 80s like sweatsuits and just fucking like run 80 miles and then and then just hop in that chamber that's an insane concept Um, (laughs) well you know then again he puts on a a a camera covered invisible suit so that's right i just sort of assumed that it was like his wealth and privilege that were making people go along with the story oh yeah 100 (laughs) percent. i mean yeah you know he he faked his suicide it was reported on the news like the guy has Mm -hmm. clearly a lot of uh, resources a lot of resources i'm watching the sure Mm -hmm. go ahead roxana all i was gonna say is like the one thing and this was sort of fuzzy and this was where i felt like the script could have actually been tighter but again like maybe the space that it left open was purposeful is they've been together they were together five years and i'm Hmm. assuming she was estranged from her family the whole time elizabeth moss's character cecilia yeah because like you don't get i feel like there's a lot of friction between her and the sister which there was part of me when the sister was like you sent me one email i was like your sister's clearly been through some trauma and one email (laughs) (laughs) that was a jump yes (laughs) is like enough to make you be like get out of my life so there were certain certain things that i you know i thought they could have elaborated on further 
but at the same time, like that is totally realistic. Like there are situations in which a woman stays for a long time and I can understand people getting frustrated with that and wondering what her motivations are. So I do think there was a lot of that sort of like domestic abuse subtext that was handled really well. I just also like 20 minutes into the movie, I was like, who is James to these women? (laughs) Oh, thank God. Cause I was watching this and I was like, okay, all right. You know, family friend, friend old boyfriend and then i was like oh clearly he's like the husband of the sister and then she's there only like once and the, the concept yeah. was you can't come to this house and i was like okay no that's not it then yeah yeah i don't i don't know what what james is either Just but like, i did notice in the greatest, that email nicest guy you know yeah such a nice guy the, the best guy I, I, I noticed in the email that it said something along the lines of, I wish you had died instead. And I think maybe there's some trauma for like a parent maybe had died yeah. in like a car wreck or something like that, that uh, maybe the person typing that email was kind of uh, cluing in on actually- or something like that. I, I kind of expected the same thing. I expected there there are moments in this movie where she would say or do things and I'd be like, oh, save that for like the next act. So like her putting the birth control in her bag and then bringing mm-hmm. up, you know, the baby and then the doctor being like, oh, we got the results of your blood test. You don't you know, you had a bunch of uh, whatever that doxamine or something. Yeah, whatever that drug was. And also there was another thing just as she puts the phone down. I'm like, oh, she's pregnant. Like. <laughs> So when I saw right. the uh, the I wish you died instead, I was like, instead of the Adrian or instead of like, are we going to find out that like their parents died in mm-hmm. a previous accident with an invisible man? I don't know. <laughs> but I, I yeah. think all of these things we're saying, I would almost give more credence to what Roxanne is saying about the flashbacks and and even like the Tom thing. You know, I had previously I. I when I first watch, I'm like, ah, oh, is, is this weird? Do I do I feel like this is a little bit easy or a shortcut? But then the more I was thinking about it, I realized, you know, if they belabored his motivation anymore, if they focused more on Tom other than those two other scenes, then you would lose that ambiguity at the end. You would lose the possibility that, mm-hmm. you know, you know, you run the chance of of neutering it the more and more you mess with it and like uh, again i think you could say the same thing uh, again in speaking to the performances by uh, elizabeth moss and um uh sorry harriet dyer who you know who has certainly a smaller role in this but i i think she is like very convincing in in communicating uh you know a very turbulent relationship um and you know i I, I do think the one thing that the one thing that I will say that I'm a little bit l- worried about Lee Winnell, and I, I am hoping he loses it a little bit. I, I thought Upgrade was occasionally a little bit glib, like it went for some shock value at times uh, when I wanted it to be more sincere, and I did feel that in Emily dying. Like I know that was it, it's it's like it, it's a good moment. Um, but it also just felt like it feels like you could have done a lot with this character, but I know we have to escalate. And, and that's I, I guess that's uh, speaking before when I was saying I wanted to get into spoilers. Like my weird thing about it is 
I actually like a lot of the third act. I, I am a person, I guess I am a person who I guess has problems with the third act. I, I love when she is in the the hospital. I think those scenes are great. I think the point at which Adrian starts killing like dozens of people in that hallway, <laughs> that went a little bit long for me. And like as I there said, were a like, shit ton of cops on on that property. I was I was uh, flabbergasted by the amount of armed personnel, and then well, even like as, as they're like yeah, I, gotta, it's it's how literally many? run by cops. Sure, I uh, I don't think they're all armed personnel though. I don't know. But, I don't know. But but that's like. I, I will say the the weird thing that's related to that is I have seen some reviews directly point to that third act as saying, oh, this is just a pulpy thriller or something, that this somehow takes away from the really powerful subtext. Um, so w- 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 I guess what I want to get to is just like, I just, I don't Why not particularly both? love that action sequence in the hallway, but then I absolutely adore the next scene in the rain. So like... I, I do think at times there is like a little bit of an imbalance between between tones here, but again, I also think that makes it more admirable. And you know, I I, I like that it stands apart from a lot of, um, you know, either I, I don't want to say that word, guys. <laughs> uh, art art house horror. I'll say art house oh, horror. Oh, elevated horror. Ah! <laughs> Oh, I, Michael. Oh, come on, Michael. Just because the camera's on a tripod and it stares down an empty hallway doesn't mean it's elevated horror. I know, but like the the first hour, like the way it uses negative space, the way that it's very patient, I think it would be in that conversation if there wasn't a third act that turned to action, you know, more slasher. Well, it's weird because you said like, "Oh, it's just a pulpy thriller," but like, no, 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 when, no, no. Like, I didn't. Not no, you I didn't say that. I'm saying that. reviews have yes, seen that. I'm not saying that that is your opinion. I sure. apologize okay. if it seemed that way. Um, but even even to those reviewers, I would say like, so what? Yeah, it's sure. awesome. It doesn't under it doesn't destroy the the statements that the movies made earlier. It just gives it's a little it's a little kick. There's a little spice. I also feel like it adds to them because yeah. there have been tons of studies that have come out that have linked relationship domestic abuse to then large scale mass shootings. So mm. there's also a part of me that I feel like there mm. is a tangible link there between the fact that his violence against one person can very easily scale upward to violence against many people who oh, stand in the way of that. So so I that's why I sort of like reject any review. I'm going to write negative <laughs> comments on all those reviews. But it's like, you know, this is like super harsh to say, but I feel like a lot of people don't take violence between one man and one woman seriously. Like sure. you need to elevate the stakes to prove someone's villainy to a lot of people. So I almost feel like that scene did actually do that. Like, okay, yes, he harmed his girlfriend. That's bad. But did you also see him hurt all these innocent cops? You know, like, I I feel like it was a very measured choice to have him do that to sort of drive home. And I don't, you know, what's funny is like, I, he does shoot a lot of the cops for sure. But I, I honestly was thinking in that scene, I was like, I don't feel like he's killing that many people. <laughs> no, he, <laughs> like, he, he seems like, to change his mind he, from fight to fight 
almost right, depending like, upon the person whether or not he was just going to incapacitate sure. them or if he was going to murder them. Right, like definitely the mm-hmm. most brutal was the murder of her sister, which again is very purposeful. Isolate the person that you want to control, and yeah. she seemed like her last remaining family for sure. So yeah, so I well, you know, it, it's I, I think I think more than anything though, it's also Elizabeth Moss almost elevating that situation as well, um, because she's basically about to mention to her sister everything that she's found out that she's found out that he has a suit and all of these other things. And it's just like, okay. And you know, I, I don't understand why she does that in like a open area. I, I found that safe. Why? Because he's invisible around. It's the same thing Ah. as everywhere else where at any time two spies are meeting, it's always like, meet me at Piccadilly circus. Yeah, but because that's not assume, because you think there's a, a visible man maybe sitting next to you. But you assume you. that there's not going to be an incident there because she thinks like, well, he can't like hurt me, which he's been trying sure. to do. But she doesn't think he'll straight up murder my sister and then frame me for it. Like that's a level that it's it makes all the sense in the world. It I I, okay. I cannot I let you continue on like this. We need to move on. Okay. Um, it's it's. It's just, yeah, no, it, it, it makes sense that you would want to do that. Okay. So, Roxana, it's interesting what you said, though, about the um the concept of, like, one man being violent against a woman is not enough. Because it's almost like it can work as, like, different poles of magnetism. Because, like, uh, what's the, the, the show that was on that ended and everyone was mad at it? Game of Thrones. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. I had Dexter, to take a long walk to uh, The Office. <laughs> So the um so Game of Thrones like would have the world's most evilest men and you would still get a scene where it's like oh you know we already knew Renly Baratheon was the worst or not Renly Baratheon um Ramsey that, Bolton that's the one thank you yes. other RB right. is the worst human being on earth but we're still going to have him rape Sansa and it's right. like guys we're with you you didn't right. need to make us hate you him. You were already more. there. Don't worry. We already knew he was terrible. Yeah. So yeah. it's either you're undervaluing it or you're using it as a trump card to be like, let's eliminate the last bit of goodwill that this person might have, which is insanity. Well, what I think <laughs> but what I think Game of Thrones fell into a lot was just like rape as character development, which yeah. is like mm-hmm. the worst thing ever. Um and I do think also to speak to the invisible man, I mean essentially well, I mean, you could make an argument that he rapes her by mm-hmm. switching out her birth control and sure. essentially, oh, you know, having her well, so she she definitely uh she definitely hints heavily that he also raped her as well right because she says like there are other things that i don't want to talk about right 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 Mm -hmm. so yeah so it's just one of those things where it's like but again like thank you for not going the game of thrones route and giving me like a flashback of that happening or Mm -hmm. giving me a male character's reaction scene to something bad so that i can know it's bad like i I do think there were a lot of things that it was like they just allowed moss's performance to stand alone and there was a lot of power in that um but i don't know man i mean it's one of these things too where i think about the fact that this movie originally was supposed to star johnny depp and it's like but that was like a completely different movie like that wasn't even like the same 
Story yeah. Uh-huh. It was like there was yeah. gonna be like a Tom Thomas mummy. I don't know, Brian. I don't know, Brian. I don't know. I mean, I almost feel like it's like, was this developed in response to that original casting? I mean, I don't know. There was a. It is, it's very weird to think about in this moment in time. Yeah, I mean, it's it is it is deeply uncomfortable to imagine like Johnny Depp in a in a movie with even glancing similarities to this one. I do know that <laughs> Lee Winnell had an interview where he did say like um, that he wasn't even aware that the Johnny Depp movie was something that was happening. That's um, amazing. Because Good for you, Lee. He was like, uh, I was just so heads down on Upgrade, like trying to finish that up. And then someone was like, like, hey, like, you know, you're making an Invisible Man movie next. Like, you know, what about that Johnny Depp one that never happened? He was like, the what? And I think that that's a really great way to like show just how quickly the dark universe died. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Is that a man who... Yeah, it transferred over to Blumhouse almost immediately. Yeah, they were like, well, this isn't going to work. So let's just see if they can make one of these super cheap, which is the one that doesn't have a character who's a main character. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it is it is interesting to look at it and just like think about like what would a movie that like a st- I don't know how the Dark Universe is going to function. But yeah, like would a movie about invisible Johnny Depp, which is, you know, uh, weird to think about now, like would they have tried to make him the hero or would he be the villain? Like, how are they planning on doing right. that? We'll never know. We'll this never is... know. I mean, I think if they stuck closer to the original source text, I mean, there sure. are some admirable things in that invis- Invisible Man character in terms of, like, somebody who has raised himself up by his bootstraps, blah, 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 to, like, invent something, blah, blah, um, And so I feel like you could have gotten that version of depth. But it's also just sort of strange. I don't know, that whole experiment to look back on it now and see, like, the very serious picture of all of them <laughs> together in the room where it's clear no one is actually in the same room together. The greatest act of hubris sure. on Earth. <laughs> Right. So it's just it's also very funny to think about like that sort of film experiment and how thoroughly it collapsed on itself. Good times. So, so yeah. w- one thing one thing I uh was listening to Lee Winnell on uh the the big picture and he was mentioning how originally when he got a decent sized budget for this film and um if one of y'all could be so kind and figure out what kind of budget this was running off of, that would be much appreciated. Um, seven million. Seven million? Jesus mm-hmm. Christ. Wow. Um, anyways, uh, so he was mentioning how they originally were going to run with like someone in a green screen or in a green suit and try and just kind of digitally remove that person. And what he said was that that became almost a nightmare in terms of it's very easy to add things into a screen. It's very easy to remove certain things from a screen. But if you have a, interactive element like that that isn't supposed to ultimately be seen that becomes very very complicated because what was happening was they were doing like tests and they were having this actor uh basically like move elizabeth moss around and like every now and then his face would clip in past her face and they were like okay, what are we going to do here? Because if his face gets in the camera angles way, 
then we're gonna have to like digitally add her face back in oh and they my were just god like, this is what yeah they nightmare. were just like this is yeah this is a nightmare like this yeah. cannot happen and so they ended up going very practical and he was mentioning that like they almost went back to a lot of effects from like uh, I guess it was the 1940s when the original Invisible Man came out, and he was saying that like they had people inside cabinets opening and closing doors and doing all of this <laughs> other like very low-fi, low-tech stuff because it was the most practical way to get around some of these other situations. And so instead, a lot of times, Elizabeth Moss is fighting nothing. Um, literally, you know, um, and so, you know, they either have her on wires or whatever they need to do to kind of make her interact with the surroundings. But yeah, they, they definitely went down the route of like, Hey, let's, you know, who, who else has done this recently? Let's, let's have fun with it. And it's just like, yeah, that's, that's not going to work. Well, I was, I was talking to my mother and I, you know, she asked how this movie was. And I said to her, like, you know, I don't like, we live in a little world where you could see the Avengers, you could see a guy throw another guy through a building, you could see alien worlds that never existed, but there's still something just so awesome about seeing a doorknob turn and the door open when you can't see anyone doing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The floating knife. Yeah. Because that's the first, right? Like, that's like the first real tell that yeah. somebody is there. It's like the floating knife was a real, like, holy shit, it's happening yeah. moment. And then how quickly, I mean, we keep talking about like how quickly everything seems to escalate, but like, it's not very much time between the floating knife and then that like knockdown, drag out fight throughout yeah. the kitchen. Yeah. And that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that That's fight incredible is incredible scene. Yeah. Yeah. That fight is amazing. And it reminded me, you know, like we sort of had something similar happening with the Suspiria remake, like in the ballet mm-hmm. mirrored mm-hmm. room yeah. where, yeah. you know, yeah. where that yeah. is being sort of crushed and torn apart by unseen forces. But there's like a real like give and take sort of like visceral feeling to this fight that again, like proved that you didn't need a flashback. Like you, could tell from how elizabeth moss was fighting back that like this has probably happened before and so mm-hmm. there was just a lot just a lot really done with her with her reactivity i think that's actually that's somehow reminded me um of the other fight which brought up another thing that i wanted to uh talk about the hallway fight when he's murdering everyone is oddly a fight that takes place because he is in his own perverse way trying to preserve the life of elizabeth moss and his unborn baby which is only something that he is trying to do to rob her of any agency in that decision a hundred percent yeah so that's Mm. another like you know it's 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 one of the reasons why when michael again did not feel but recited the fact that other people said (laughs) that this movie was just pulp (laughs) I know how sensitive you were to me saying that to you. Um, we will not allow Michael to be slandered. No, Michael has <laughs> thoughts and feelings and I will not misrepresent them. Um, that, you know, that it's it's easy to look at a scene like that and go, oh, like it's just like flat pulp now. But like if you look at the power dynamics and the mm. ideas at play, it almost becomes a more insane thing. Because this guy is presumably <laughs> standing silently in corners keeping an eye on her and not doing anything and the one time that he directly intercedes 
in a in a in a way like now that he's got her in this prison is to stop her from taking her life because he wants a child mm-hmm. and uh, and then when she's getting out he is protecting her at the same time that he's also like taking down all these other people again not because he's being some chivalrous white knight but because he's a dick who is trying to control her down to you know her body right even mm-hmm. even in terms of how he inc- incapacitates that like brian you already mentioned this but i just wanted to say like he's such a bully like a taunting bully about like he's taking so much pleasure in the possibility that he can just you know sideswipe someone or take yeah. someone's gun and like it, there's no sense of like he's as worried or any way and and i think that the way they communicate that is is fascinating I, yeah. again i just wish they didn't do the upgrade camera stuff in that scene <laughs> having not seen upgrade, i just i just like seeing that stuff because i guess i hadn't seen it before but it's it is the i mean like, that the setup like goes so the camera follows them all the way down to the ground yeah i loved it so like yeah. every yeah so yeah. every time he does that, that's that's an upgrade in, in a lot of scenes. I, I, I got scene. news for you, Michael. He really loves that camera trick. <laughs> and I think he's going to start implementing it more often in his next few films if they have like action sequences and stuff like that. Um, because the way he was talking about in the big picture, because the uh, the guy in the big picture was definitely like noticing that and mentioning sure. it to him. And the crew on set, I think this was filmed in Australia, maybe this or maybe uh, the the, uh, upgrade was. But uh, every time he did that trick, they called it the the Winnell. And they were like, he was just kidding when when he overheard that. He was like, "If, if, if that can be on my grave, like that I am known for a camera trick, like I put it on there. Like that's that's all I want in life. But I feel like it's an awesome it's an awesome camera trick to make you sympathize with who is doing the action. Though. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. So that's one of those things that I'm just like and that I don't want to I don't want to speak for Michael, but I feel like that for me was like <laughs> the slight uneasiness of that scene is it's like, "Nah, dude, like you just told us he is actually the worst." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you're shoot- like, and you're shooting this in this way that I'm like, "Oh man, that was pretty sick like how he took out a room full of cops and like whatever putting aside <laughs> putting aside my own feelings about cops. I don't think the movie sure. wants you to think that." So that that yeah. is just sort of one of those things where it shifts perspective in a way that you don't necessarily well, know. I mean, even even when when she flat out murders him, right? Yeah, is it murder? Like, uh, whatever. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You know, but <laughs> but <laughs> well, uh, not, <laughs> not guilty by reason of self defense, oh, probably. No, yeah, that's what I would say. <laughs> yeah. Um. No. Uh, oh. I'm I'm not I'm not talking about the the other guy. I'm not talking about uh are we talking about Tom? No. I'm not talking about Tom. I'm talking any, about the very very Any end. of the oh, griffins yeah, no, that's, that she that's murders. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm saying like is that murder? Totally fine with it. Yeah, that's, okay. That's fine. Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, but I mean oh, I was left I was left with a sense of uneasiness there because <laughs> as she's walking away, a she's got like a very big smile on her face which, you know, probably justified at that moment like she finally got rid of her tormentor for good right um sister i mean yeah there's some bad blood there yeah um but i was also left with like a sense of unease because i was still 
like going back to that little nugget of of doubt that Winnell still like allows us to have, right? There's there's not like a very 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 clean into this. And I think that messiness is fun. I I like that ambiguity. I like that there's even the hint of it, right? And it's so often in so many of these movies, they don't want the audience to have to second guess anything, right? And sure. this film definitely still leaves that door open. Um to the point where, you know, you because it goes through so many links to establish that maybe she is going a little crazy, right? But is your doubt that Adrian is your doubt for that that Adrian was the invisible man or that Adrian abused her at all? Oh no, that he was the invisible man. So you don't think that his abuse of her before then would have justifiably been her killing him in self defense? Because <laughs> so that's that's tough to answer because like if if that was in self-defense yes absolutely but in that point he's sitting down for dinner so so she can only defend herself when he's about to kill her can only be heat of the moment <laughs> okay no, I, I don't know I don't I, I don't I don't I don't want to go down that rabbit hole too much you're you're well, you're, I don't you're, you're painting I don't me in a into a corner so well, I don't want so to disagree with you. I don't I don't necessarily want to put you down a rabbit hole, but I do think though that's the messy right, that's the messiness to me is not yeah. necessarily like like sure. I do I I personally would think given what we know about Adrian, I would think that he deserves to die, whether or not he was the invisible man. So I think the question then is like, what is your for both characters, right? Like, what is your tipping point as an audience member as to how you judge these characters? Like, if Elizabeth Moss had just stolen the suit and gone on to just be invisible for the rest of her life, like, mm-hmm. that probably would have been fine because then she doesn't, like, get revenge. But she does get revenge and she kills a person mm-hmm. to do it. So, like, is that enough? Yeah. Or, like, if Adrian was, like, actually, like, I wasn't the invisible man, but, yes, I did abuse you for a long time. You know, like, I think, like, I, I do think there's, like, a certain level of, like, there's a plot that you have to accept where he is the invisible man and there's a plot that you accept where he's not. And yeah. either way, what he's doing is fucked up. I think it's just a matter of scale. Now I'm wishing, sure. because of what you said, that he had not been the invisible man and that he copped to all of his abuse and, and then she killed, killed him anyway. Yeah. Yes. Oh, please. I would have been like, good job, guys. Good job. Well, because I mean, like, yeah. he is a monster. Like, I, so I think... Yeah, clearly I think not a good guy. I don't... Like, you know, there's... the there's a part of me that I'm always like, I don't know, is murder the best thing to do? I think in this sure. case, sure. you know, Murder's I think that he is the invisible man <laughs> or was the invisible man or were there invisible men or is that right. the sequel? Mm-hmm. Were there is invisible the- men? Yeah. Well, no, that's a no. real question too because that, well, because there were two suits and sure. her hiding place was real janky. So were there two suits and two people running around? I don't know, but it leaves open like a realm of possibility. And yeah, to your question also, it's like, is, is killing someone appropriate revenge? I don't know, but I do think it like raises all those questions in an interesting way that sort of keeps you wondering about it. Yeah. And the, the look mm-hmm. on James's face, I think is a stand in for the audience. He, oh, 100%. He, he gets it. He understands it. I don't know that he, he condones it. Um, sure. And also she's got that, that suit still. And it's like, uh, I, yeah. your, your abusive boyfriend and his crazy brother are dead. 
why do you still need that suit, Elizabeth Moss? Mm-hmm. And she smiles and then uh, it cuts to black and we get to wait for Invisible Man 2, Invisible Woman. Right. Yeah. And I think <laughs> Woman. That's, right. It's going to be I, Invisible Man and then W-O spelled in lipstick. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was just the most upsetting thing I could think. <laughs> but yeah, but I mean, uh, I do think I do think that is and I don't even know like I don't even know if James fully accepts it either because I do feel like the look on his face also is like oh this is bad but like what should I do you know I I mean I mean he is the one that is still on her side a lot but he confesses to her that like he should have stayed with her right before or right after her his daughter was struck and he seems to indicate that he could have saved her from killing her own sister and doing all of these other bad things. Right. Not that it would have been nice to have somebody in her corner. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think full on, he is not accepting of, of the fact that, uh, someone else has been tormenting her. Um, sure. I think I think he's still very much adamant that like but again he is he's also being very upfront with her that whether he believes her or not it's going to be nearly impossible to like convince a court of that and for her in that moment it's best to just move forward with prosecuting the brother instead of her husband right at that moment um well they weren't and that's married, what he, right? that's no they weren't married yeah. i don't think they, they were, were just boyfriend what yeah yeah no they weren't yeah. married. oh just yeah oh okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah. all right yeah i, I think the but, other thing yeah. too that you could say about uh, aldous hodge's uh role to uh, again like uh, uh, part of the reason why i thought his was uh, that scene was so strong is i i don't know i'd, I'd push back a, a little bit on the idea that he wasn't totally okay with it because I think in a way he has seen that transformation you know that's true. going that's true. going from the early time where she is afraid to go get the mail or um, you know is you know uh, using nail polish on her uh, on, on her camera on the, the laptop like she's very much a person who is who is wounded and trying to find herself and I, I think even when you think about the the scene after I think I have my chronology right. Uh, it, okay, it's the scene after her sister is killed, and then she's in the interrogation room, mm-hmm. and like it, it, he's he's put again. He, it, you know, comparable to the end of the movie, he's put in a conflict between his his job as a detective and his own you know relationship with Cecilia, and, and so I think like I think he very much does understand that transformation at the end but like i have to say if there was any if there was any anyone who maybe i didn't feel sorry for but i was a little bit worried about at the end it was actually james in the sense that he is now in this pact with cecilia that even if it's totally justified it's now something he will have to contend with in some possible way and again she still has the suit like he's got yeah, he's right. I don't know how much he's going to be able to trust her moving forward. I Michael thought you legitimately were going to say the dog. Oh, Zeus. Oh. I was so worried about that dog. When she showed up at the so house and everything I. was in plastic and then the dog showed up, I was like, "Oh my god, why are you alone?" <laughs> like 
I hope someone is coming to feed you still. Like, how come you yes. weren't taken to a shelter? Poor Zeus. I sort of wish, like, there was a part of me that really, really wished that she had killed Adrian and just put on the suit and disappeared. Like, I also would have been... Really... That would have been some dope... dope. Yeah, well, th- yeah it, it would have been... Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> I... I, I <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I really do like the way that that sequence is set up, and I think maybe had I don't know. I, I, I'm trying to think of like a clean way. You know, I'm not a writer, but um, I'm trying to think of a clean way because I really like the way that scene is set up because we see the knife slit the throat and then not but a few moments later, we see her running down the hallway and then into camera view Mm -hmm. and then she backs up and then starts watching him with Mm -hmm. kind of a sick smile on her face. And it's makes that great phone call too. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh-huh. her, makes us. Yeah, and then and then her expression totally completely. Changes. Yeah, changes yeah. Again, and everything like that. Like, that. like like I don't know. Like that's that sequence right there is so so satisfying. Right, it's no, so I- satisfying. But I don't know how you transition from that into okay. Now I'm gonna go put the suit on and dis a fucking beer. You have her walking towards the camera like she is, and then she pulls the mask on and her face disappears. Right, just like whoa. Yeah, like I sort of that would have been fine. I and I feel like that, but I I feel like that would have been an ending if this movie weren't also talking about the fact that like it's very important for her to like reclaim her life and her Mm -hmm. reputation and all the stuff that women often don't get after like a domestic abuse scenario. So I feel like this was like the very realistic, like this is the dream scenario ending. I just feel like my ending where I'm just fine with him, like getting killed and her like deucing out is (laughs) her having her. (laughs) If she never like got vindicated and was still in prison, it'd be like, Oh, you know, this woman is broken out of prison. And he's just like, Oh well, right. that's okay. And then she he gets invisibly knifed, and then you know you just see her like bloody footprints mm-hmm. walking away. And then with each step, there's less and less blood until you don't see them anymore. Mm-hmm. It's, and it's she, funny. Grab a, she grabs a piece of sushi to go, and it's <laughs> and Zeus follows her. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it it's it's funny though, Roxana, that you mentioned that like she gets to kind of reclaim her her kind of life and her kind of reputation Um, because, you know, I don't, I don't know how often y'all kind of uh, look into stuff like this, but uh, it's very, very, very difficult to actually reclaim your reputation once it's been sullied in the media and things like that. There's a Um, whole movie that was released last year called Richard Jewell. That was about exactly that. Sure. But I'm I'm talking about like even even current day, like right now, the way that the media moves, not even like a reputation of like a maybe, you know, you got put in jail for something and then all of a sudden that's your reputation. Right. Um, I'm talking about like just flat out like lies that get uh, mentioned into the media and how hard it is to reverse course on you know, that, that kind of bad messaging and stuff like that. So I think it would be really interesting if like a follow-up of this movie is basically her dealing with the fallout of her being wrongly accused of all of these things and still having to pay for it over and over and over again. But with whether it's in like suit to help her take (laughs) revenge on the people who something, something. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I think I do think that's true in that, like, it is very difficult to reclaim your reputation. But I also think for women in a domestic abuse scenario, it's just difficult to get believed. And so that Mm -hmm. for me was a lot of this movie is that she faces an uphill battle in terms of people believing that it is Adrian who is stalking her. But I also Mm -hmm. think that, like, her estrangement from her sister also speaks to something that perhaps was not believed about that relationship. And as much as like James and her sister are supportive in that scene where she's like, yeah, there was other bad shit that was going down. I mean, she was out of their lives for five years. So it's one of those Mm -hmm. things too, where I feel like we saw this in the Weinstein case. Yes. Weinstein is now a convicted rapist, but they did not think that he premeditated those attacks. So it's one of those things too, where it's like, you feel like you have made some progress in terms of people believing women and there being an onslaught of accusations and of proof and of evidence. And sometimes that doesn't matter. So I do think that is sort of the power of that ending and her walking away on her own terms is like she was able to figure this out and do this and it involved bloodshed but now she is fully her own person again and does she keep the baby i mean i don't know but i do think that's sort of an interesting thing is it's like Mm -hmm. the family now is her and the potential of this child and that's the most that it can be i um, am the other question is whether she gets the money too i yeah she still does yeah i would think so because the charges mm-hmm. against her are, I mean, because again, they can't necessarily prove that she killed Adrian. So, sure. right, she can't prove that she killed Adrian. She's been declared mentally competent. Well, she was not convicted of a crime, and all of that legal stuff was binding. So, right. it's it's good. They're done. So, she, so she Cecilia or uh, her her sister's murder isn't going to be pegged on her. No, because now they yeah. have the Invisible Man. To peg it on. Okay. Right. Yeah. That's why she, literally, that is why she is able to go to dinner with this man. Like, they've already cleared her of that. That's true. That's true. Right. They're like, it was Tom. Tom was bad. Adrian was just, you know, locked in a closet or whatever. Yeah. They're they're uncertain about Adrian's part in it, but they definitely think that Tom did all the the murdering. Um, Right. It's funny that we were even talking about her having to clear her name, because if reality has taught us anything, it's that everyone's going to remember Adrian Griffin and no one is going to remember the name Cecilia. Correct. Hmm. That's true. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, like how many Weinstein accusers can you name? Only you the know? famous sure. ones. Only the yeah. famous ones. How many Cosby accusers? I mean, that's Literally just one of the none. things, too, yeah. is that's that just... women's names often don't go down in history if we're going to get like super bleak with it. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It yep. was like 67, was it 67 people came out in terms of Weinstein? Yeah, I and think it was in it, there, yeah. And then it was, there was an equally horrendously large amount about uh, Bill Cosby. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. What uh, I what I sort of want to know is I'm like, do you think Wired sends like an investigative reporter to interview Cecilia? Like, who is doing the follow up <laughs> on Adrian's death? Slate's got a hot take um, right. about the 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 suit. You know, Wired Vice, definitely has some Vice interest. News will do an episode. Oh, oh my! Yeah. There will yeah. be many podcasts about him. Yeah, that's that's people. sort of. <laughs> Well, but remember that. Well, I mean, let's let's be honest. This is this is definitely going to be a serial podcast, guys. Come on. <laughs> well, do you remember the um the like inventor guy who made the submarine, and then a journalist came and he like murdered the journalist who came to interview him about his submarine. 
Yeah, wasn't there what? a Sundance film about this? Actually, yeah, there's a uh, documentary last... about it. Yes, there's because like there was somebody making a documentary just about him, like being a tech inventor who was like building his own summary summary. Sure. So they started out doing a documentary about that, and then in the middle of them filming that documentary, he like invited a female journalist on board, killed her, and then dismembered her. So like, I almost mm. feel like it's like Whoa. that's oh yeah, it's wild. It's like, I need to. Yes. I, I wish that there were more podcasts about this that I could listen to. This is a crazy thing. Yeah, I think it was this Sundance, though, Roxanne. Was, I don't think it's yes. last year. No, it was this year. It's Peter Madsen. So, oh, yeah. did you get to see it? I did not, but I'm trying oh, okay. to. Yeah, Netflix's True Crime Into the Deep examines the disturbing Danish submarine murder. Yeah, oh, wow. so it premiered at Sundance. Netflix already picked it up. Um, but yeah, so that's something to, that you guys should read about, but I feel like those are the sort of, that's, yeah, that's sort of the thing that would come up here is it's like, how do you cover something like this story? And so I think that was interesting too, is it's like he, unfortunately, there are a lot of parallels. (laughs) Unfortunately. Yeah. I I think the other thing too, that you, I, I mean, you guys have already uh, we've spoken out about it a decent amount, but like, you know, the narrative of the abuse that Cecilia went through is, you know, mostly going to be forgotten. It, right. It's not only that Adrian's name is going to be remembered, but the trauma that Cecilia went through, the the times when she, you know, was labeled mentally ill or, you know, um, unfit to, you know, be in society, like, that is going to be, you know, there's going to be footnotes in the case. And yeah, because people like are going to act like, oh, well, you know, this poor woman and they're going to forget all the ways that she was systemically victimized even beyond what Adrian was doing. Sure. Right. Yeah. Not bad for a pulp yeah, movie, good, movie, is it, good, Michael? Good movie. <laughs> no. It is It is funny, though, like what we sort of dismiss as like genre conventions yes. and what we don't. You know, so that's just one of those things that's sort of interesting. It's like I hadn't seen any of those sort of like negative to the third act reviews, but I sort of wonder, like, for those people, like, what would you then want the third act to be? Because I can't see this movie ending any other way. So that's always one of those fun thought experiments. Is it's like, if you didn't like this, where did you think this should have gone exactly? Yeah, like the only way that I could see that would that would satisfy people who are unsatisfied, which uh, I feel bad for them, and I wish them the best in their life of misery and sadness um i do not i don't wish you any goodwill you're a bad person got a good yin yang thing here going on um yeah you're probably trash so (laughs) yeah i just don't know what they would like they would have like it would just end with her being committed at some point like i just don't like i'm sorry we got that episode of buffy the vampire slayer and i don't want to revisit that time so you know which one which one are you speaking of there's one like toward the very end of the run okay. where it's like an alternate universe Buffy who has like yes. imagined everything and she's institutionalized and the episode ends with her like in an asylum. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's messed up. I don't remember that at all. I yeah. forgot about that episode. I have never seen an episode okay. of Buffy even though I've it's been told great. many times. I know, Michael. It's like that in the OC. I just. <laughs> yeah. And fucking social network. That's yeah. a movie. That's a different well, thing. Well, yes, I mean, you're fine. Right? You're fine without seeing any 
Aaron Sorkin movie ever again. Like, that's fine. Well, um, he's kind of ruined his own reputation at this I mean, point. I, I sort of hate <laughs> yeah. Aaron Sorkin in a way that you can only hate someone that you're like going to hang out with again and again, just to be oh, like, why do I hate boo. you so much? <laughs> Terrible. Like, Aaron <laughs> Sorkin is the worst. Um, but yeah, this episode is normal again. The 17th episode of season six. A demon whose hallucinogenic venom makes Buffy believe that her nightmarish life as a vampire slayer has actually been her own elaborate hallucination as a mental patient, catatonic in a hospital for six years. It's a very bleak episode. That sounds more familiar to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so that's That's one of those things where I'm like, that's a horrible ending for this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Right. No, it either has to be like a clever thing where she catches him somehow or it's it's got to be what they did. And I don't know. I again, I was just totally fine with seeing a bunch of people get beat up by an invisible man. Right. I I do wish that they're like talking just about pulpy movies. I just wish there'd been a point where she gets dragged away screaming and says, I'm telling you, there's an invisible man. <laughs> there were some scenes in the trailer that weren't in the movie, though, right? Like when she says that she thinks there's somebody in the chair. I don't think that actually made it into the movie. Oh, yeah. It is possible. I feel like, I don't know, I, I didn't go well, back and watch the trailer after the first time I saw I th- it or I th- after I saw the movie. I thought the trailer has a sequence where they show someone looking around in like infrared. I thought that was going to happen. And I, I was I was really wishing that she was going to tell someone before they thought her she was real fucking crazy that like, hey, can I go like I just wanted her to go to the local radio shack, which doesn't exist anymore, and just go <laughs> buy like a, a infrared camera or something like that. Right. And just be like, yeah. this is going to work because, you know, those cameras got to be generating some heat. Like, there's no what way she should have done, so. you know, is just gotten a bunch of spray paint and just constantly been shooting in random directions. <laughs> <laughs> like, she's just like doing like a th- just doing a 360 so we can get that uh, that sequence from waves again where oh, the camera's God. just doing the 360. <laughs> <clears throat> um, I do. Uh, there is a part of my my dark black soul that I just really wish that we could somehow get a version of this movie where the audience can see him. Just because I still think it's funny that he's just like, this is one of those things I was talking about. After you finish seeing the movie and you start to wonder, like, what is the life of an invisible man like? And you're just like, he must have stolen some food and then stolen off somewhere to secretly at least just take off his mask. So he's just this disembodied head floating, eating a hoagie. It's just things like that, that I, uh, there's a part of me that wishes I could get a Rosencrantz and Guildenstern style remake of this movie, just showing the weird mundanity of his life. As he just commits twenty four hours a day to ruining as, this woman, as as Alamo lovingly uh, told me, there was a Invisible Man Chevy Chase movie. So uh, go seek that out, Ryan. Directed by John Carpenter. What? Yes. Memoirs yeah. of an Invisible Man. Roxanne, what were you going to say? I was going to say, I feel like you sort of, I mean, wouldn't that just be like that terrible video going around of like the man pretending to be the dog in the Call of the Wild and Harrison Ford is like interacting with that <laughs> man and the dog? 
Have you guys seen uh, that? I have not yeah. seen that. I, 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 I haven't, heard, I haven't seen it, but I've heard it, and it's, yeah. it sounds hilarious. So, Brian, like, they use, like it, the dog in Call of the Wild is CGI, but it was, like, a motion capture guy. So there's, like, a oh, behind-the-scenes video that leaked of, like, this guy with, like, I don't know, like, something in his mouth, like a rag in his mouth or something, and he's, like, <laughs> roughhousing with Harrison sure. Ford, and it's just very absurd. And I feel like that's... <laughs> That's what you're describing that you want. Yes. Now that you have told me about that, that is literally exactly what I want. I just think it would just be funny to like, you know, because they're in the daughter's room and there's like three people in there. and It's not a big room. And Adrian is just like pressed against the wall being like, if one person oh, takes it. a step, I am fucked. I right. don't know if you've heard of the ABCs of death, Brian, but I think it's the second one. One of the early ones is about someone trying to do a heist and it goes really, really wrong. Like they're in a vent and like, yeah. yeah. But it reminds me of what you're describing there. Has someone everyone seen uh, Arrested Development? Sure. Well, yeah. which seasons? Like, I think it's the second one. Okay, yeah, when, yeah, yeah. Or maybe it's the first one. I don't know. When Tobias, Tobias is in the room of, or the house of the woman who is quote unquote blind. Right. And he's like rolling over counters and stuff. That's just how I envision Adrian (laughs) in this movie. I would really have laughed if there was just a line that was like, man, food keeps disappearing from this house. (laughs) Who finished my goddamn Cheerios? If there was like some really blatant product placement, like who ate all the Lay's? (laughs) Kettle chips. But that's the funny thing. He can't eat loud food so he would have to he would have to just no i i just i just want there to be a ton of like junk food and protein bars up in the attic next to his cell phone like just a little stash of just like like he could have totally been eating some some fucking loud ass like doritos or something up there because i mean he had a fucking cell phone up there so yeah like yeah it would work Munched on some carrots. His chamber pot <laughs> is up there. <laughs> anyway. Okay. All right. Uh, I, I, think, we, I think at this yeah, point we're, uh, we're, yeah. we're slowly disappearing. I'm just really hungry now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I haven't eaten since uh, like 11 o'clock in the afternoon. So oh, I, that's horrible. You know that's not the afternoon. 11 o'clock in the morning? Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah that's a great, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Technically, 11 p.m. is 11 o'clock in the afternoon because it's at least right. afternoon. Um, yeah. I'm worried. I really need you to eat something now. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate Go your ahead, concern. <laughs> uh, there's better yeah. food in my house. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Uh, any final thoughts on this movie? Any final dumb remarks? Or, Michael, you want to <laughs> talk about how this is pulp? No, I will say that you guys convinced me about the hallway uh, about the hallway scene. I don't know if I still like the Winnell in this particular movie. Oh, but. I wanted to bring that up. Is that really the Winnell? Isn't that the Lynn or oh no, the Wan? Like, doesn't James Wan do that in all the Fast and Furious movies he directs? Mm, not, not, no, not so much. Not, not to this degree. No. I just think about that moment when I think it's The Rock picks up someone and flips them, and yeah. the, the camera flips yeah. with them. Right, there's that, but it's not like an entire sequence of okay. that. You know what I mean? Yeah. All right, I accept that. Yeah. The rock um, doesn't become a slinky. <laughs> also true. Uh, 
Darn it. I thought I had one last actual intelligent thing to say, and now it has fled my brain. Oh, would it be the first time, Brian? Yeah, I've never Whoa. completely forgotten a thing that I was going to say, and then it, and then like I'm going to listen to this during the edit and be like, shit. But you also... Probably not important. <laughs> I was going to say, but you also didn't sing a song that had the wrong name of your guest, so... <laughs> so I am rocking I didn't do that, that on so mic, so I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Bill, you're fine. It, it doesn't exist. <laughs> no, it was something about society and invisibility, and it no, was going to no. really, really well tie into everything we've talked about and probably solve poverty, and now I just can't remember what it was. No, that sucks. Oh. I know. Oh, well. Yeah. I'll tweet it out if I remember it. Anyway, um, yes, so that is all for today. Thank you, everyone, for listening to us go on about this movie. It is out in wide release now. Check it out. It is great fun. As you made can test. $50 million this weekend, so it did pretty well. It's a nice little haul. How much? How 50. much? 50. Jesus. Okay. On a $7 million budget? I mean, yeah. Yeah. it made more than The Mummy did in its opening weekend. I think so. Uh, Eat it, Tom Cruise. (laughs) Well, I mean, Scientology stays winning either way. So (laughs) Moss is also a Scientologist. So yeah, that's what I mean. (laughs) Wait, who? Elizabeth Moss, the literal lead of this movie. Yeah, you just said Moss, and I was like, I I am not familiar with that name. Main character (laughs) in No Country for Old Men. Okay. Yeah. That is really? sort of weird. Let's get out of here. Yeah, all right. Okay. Wait, what were you going to say, Roxana? I was just going to say, how is it that both Dark Universe films had Scientology leads? But whatever, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> uh, I was going to say yeah. something, but then I'm going to get gang stalked and walk into the uh, ocean from the Rockaways like those golden suicide people. Um, That's it. Uh, we're done for today. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. It has been a great conversation. Uh, Before we tell everyone where we can be found online, let me remind you that we were brought to you by Mubi. You can get a free 30-day subscription to Mubi by going to mubi.com slash filmstage. Be sure to check out The Quiet Earth, which sounds like a real great time at the movies. You can also become a patron by going to patreon.com slash show. Uh, don't forget to join up with that and, uh, give us a little $1 an episode, get on our Slack channel. I'm sure that it's only going to become better as we get closer to the general election. (laughs) Again, Michael, thank you for making that politics channel. Just a real gift to humanity. Man, I'm trying to make threads happen. Michael's trying to make politics happen. What what the hell? It was a really bad day at work and I just said, burn it all down. (laughs) Feeling the and burn. then I left. <laughs> um, Unfollow. <laughs> yes. So uh, that is all. Let us tell the fine people at home where we can be found between now and the next time. Uh, we will be in with our guest, Roxana. Where can people find your work online? Oh, sure. Um, you can follow me on Twitter. It's Roxana underscore Hadadi. Uh, you can read me at Pajiba, the AV Club, Brightwall Dark Room, Ebert Voices, some other places. So, yeah. You had a also, tweet that uh, spoke very highly of The Wind That Shakes the Barley, and I was very oh, happy yeah. to see it. Oh, God. That movie was the best. Were we in the revolutionary cinema class together I was going to ask, were we in that class together? I couldn't remember. It was the, it was the, the older professor with the awesome yes. cane, right? Yeah. Yes, who also, taught, uh, who also taught Romanian culture, like he Roma culture, like taught, gypsy culture. Yeah, he taught, he taught all my favorite classes. He taught sexuality yeah. in cinema, too. Yes, he was amazing. And I feel um, the life of me cannot remember his name. 
I know. I feel really bad. Um, but yeah, that's a good point. See Ken Loach's new movie. Sorry, we missed you. And uh, believe women. That's my that's my last thought. Is I that will... an okay first Ken Loach to see? I think uh, so. Yeah. It's yeah. Uh, it's brief. It's timely. It it touches on a lot of his pet themes, and it's a uh, brief a movie. You say it's an hour and forty one minutes. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I mean, I think it's very much like a clear distillation of everything he thinks about, like, class warfare and the hypocrisy of the ruling class and how capitalism turns working class people against each other for, you know, a failed attempt at wealth. So, yeah, see it for sure. Yeah. Sounds like a, a fantasy. It doesn't sound relevant at all. No, it doesn't sound doesn't sound timely <laughs> in the least. And the next time that you order something on Amazon, you will silently hate yourself. Yeah, I mean, you should. Maybe don't do that next time, actually. No, nope. yeah. go to Costco instead. Right. They actually treat their workers very well. Buy five of them. <laughs> they do. Um, what else uh, was I going to say? I don't know. It was something about Ken Loach. I, too, saw Sorry I Missed You. It is great. Uh, the Wind Shakes Barley is also amazing. Correct. Yeah. Bill Graham, where can people find you online? Uh, you can definitely not find me searching on Amazon for random products that I buy. Um, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at CableBFG. You can also find me on the Slack channel, avoiding, avoiding, avoiding that politics channel. Do not invite me. I will I will reject it. All right, Michael Snydell. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at Snydell. Uh, you can find me on Letterboxd. Uh, because my editor hates me, he doesn't hate me, but, uh, I am, I'm seeing that sad Ben Affleck movie and reviewing that. Uh, <laughs> and that is what I'm we'll seeing be, that tomorrow too. That's what we'll be talking about next week on the film stage show. Uh, no, we are not. That's not happening. Portrait is happening this week. Portrait of the way back. No. Um, <laughs> Brian, damn it. <laughs> no sad Fleck. <laughs> There's only sad flick now. Um, was that all, Michael? Oh, that'll be on the spool. I didn't even say what go. publication that was going to be. You were so Jeez. upset that you had to see it. You don't even want people to read it. <laughs> oh, man. Um, self-loathing plugs. Um, I, of course, can be found on my personal site, Um My distillery, which is slowly grinding me into dust. Uh, Schmidt Spirits, SchmidtSpirits.com. <laughs> All my social media stuff is at Brian J. Rohn because I am a viciously unimaginative man when it comes to creating online profiles. And of course, you can find my writing at filmstage.com as well as all of the episodes of this here podcast. Um, I will also be on a TV show at some point soon. So that's fun. I'm filming that tomorrow. I will uh, let you all know when that's happening and getting aired and where you can find it. Is this a fiction, a non-fiction show? No, it's a movie review thing. I'm not, like, just suddenly becoming an actor. Oh, congrats. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Oh, it's going to be random. (laughs) It's still pretty random. Actually, it's not that random. I used to host this TV show, and the new host was like, hey, do you want to be on this? And I was like, didn't I just used to do that? He was like, oh, crazy. (laughs) Anyway, uh, that's all for today. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us, and tune in next time. That was the obvious choice, Michael. (laughs) That's the only way to go.